0: All right, our scripture reading this morning comes from three passages in Proverbs. Proverbs 7, four through 10, 14, 15, and 22 verse three. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your intimate friend so that they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice and I saw among the naïve and discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing through the street near her corner as he walks along the way to her house, in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night and the darkness. And behold, a woman comes to him dressed as a prostitute and cunning of heart. The naïve believes everything, but the sensible person considers his steps. A prudent person sees evil and hides himself, but the naive proceed and pay the penalty. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love.
1: Thank you, Brent. (laughs) Okay. Good morning. My name is Jim Osborne. as the bulletin says, I'm a practicing physician here in Greensboro for one more week. So, uh, so Michaels needs to change that. So next time I'll have to say I'm a retired physician. So um, I've been part of the preaching teams here, here since 2008 and happy to be so and really enjoy hearing everybody's different approaches to to preaching and, and intersecting as I'll do today with Harrison's and with Andy's sermons from the last couple of weeks because we're in Proverbs this fall all right we're going through some Proverbs our goal is to be on this path called wisdom Uh, Harrison introduced this concept to us a couple of weeks ago Uh, and I have to say that I have most often thought of wisdom as a destination it's a final product it's something to be attained someday so this idea of a path a way was really very enlightening to me and very helpful. Um, so it's not so much something that you find as something you follow. It's something you do. Now recall, Harrison also told us that Proverbs, while directing us toward the path of wisdom, warns us against three paths that we should not tread. Zach Eswan, the seminary professor whom Harrison referenced, and I'll make some reference to him as well, calls them different types of souls or people. So the simple, naive way or path is followed by the simple soul. The stubborn, obstinate, foolish path or way is followed by the foolish soul. The scoffing way or path followed by the scoffing soul. And recall what Harrison told us. We can tread different paths in different aspects of life. Following the naive path in regard to one part of our life while following the stubborn, obstinate, foolish path in another part of life. And I would add, each path is really only as long as the next decision. And that's a blessing and a curse. We, have made, we may have made a number of decisions while treading the wrong path for a good while in one area of our life, but we can get off that path and get on the path of wisdom simply within our next decision. That's a blessing. But the curse is that making wise decisions, staying on the path of wisdom, does not guarantee that you will always make wise decisions. There's probably a higher probability, but there's no guarantee. So, So finding the way of wisdom then becomes a lifelong process. The bad news, in a sense, is that you never arrive, so you can always wander off the path of wisdom. But the good news is you don't have to wait to arrive. You can be on the path of wisdom now and i think that's really exciting and motivating and should should really help us get excited about all this because studying these proverbs will help us be on that path of wisdom and of course as harrison also told us the reason that we're interested in this is that seeking and finding wisdom will help us cultivate shalom that peace of god that we all seek that peace which was in Eden and which will be in the new heavens and the new earth, which is the answer to all of our restlessness, that peace that occurs when life is like it is supposed to be. So today in helping us think about wisdom, we're gonna look at the simple. Now this is really an interesting topic for me to study and preach. And let me tell you why. You can already see from what's been read today that being being called simple isn't exactly good, right? I mean it's just not a good thing and we're going to explore a lot of that more shortly but my favorite piece of music is by an American composer named Aaron Copeland and it's called Appalachian Spring it was originally written as a ballet but there is a slightly shorter concert version of it and I would say that in the last 50 years I have literally listened to it thousands of times the last time was this morning It is a wonderful piece it's my favorite piece and throughout the piece copeland uses a theme that's based on a shaker hymn as many great composers do he takes the theme and builds variations on it and reaches this spectacular climax in the piece and i like this theme so much and the way it builds so much that when nanette and i got married i asked the organist to do the same thing for her processional so as she entered the sanctuary the initial bear tune was played, and then the organist built and built on it till it was this wonderful, glorious ending as she arrived at the front of the church. The name of the shaker hymn is, it's a gift to be simple. <laughs> if I'd known about these proverbs, maybe I wouldn't have pushed on it so hard. So how can that be? So we're gonna come back to that later so today we want to see what the bible can teach us about the simple naive way how to avoid being the simple naive soul and we're going to discover who the simple are and what happens to them and how to seek wisdom to avoid being simple let's pray lord we just pray for your guidance for my words and our hearts Uh, help us to focus on what we can learn and apply that we might glorify you in jesus name amen now, as we peruse the text this morning, let's uh, first pick out some characteristics of the simple. Let's see what we can learn about what happens to them in their naivete. So in Proverbs 7:7, we start out and it says, I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense. The simple person then is one who's naive, he lacks sense. Now this word translated sense here is actually the word that's most commonly translated heart or mind. Now it doesn't mean he's mindless, it doesn't mean he's heartless, but it means that his heart and his mind are defective. The young man lacks the knowledge of right and wrong. And the simple soul in Proverbs 7, 5 is lured in by the adulteress who is described as the foreigner who flatters with her words. This person is out at night and he passes near the adulteress's house in verse 10. Behold, a woman comes to meet him dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart." Now, we didn't read the rest of Proverbs 7, but it goes on to describe this seduction of the simple soul. It's described as something incredibly enjoyable. The bed is sprinkled with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. They drink their fill, they delight themselves, and it describes, their, describes his destruction. The simple is like an ox that goes to slaughter, never knowing what's coming. The adulterous house is the way to Sheol, it's the way to death. Now, this description is clearly a sensual, sensual, sexual one. The simple soul is seduced. Boy, you say that three times fast. The simple soul is seduced by the adulterous. But I want to suggest to you that if we always see in this passage is to avoid sexual sin, we are really missing most of the point. Indeed, we're being naive, simple if you will, if we think that it's only a warning against sexual sin. It is that, but it is much more. Now to realize that, one need only remember the way that God often talks about Israel. In the Old Testament, a repeated theme is that Israel is God's bride. And when Israel turns to other gods, They are prostituting themselves. I was reminded of this as I read Ezekiel in my devotions in these last few weeks. In Ezekiel 16, the prophet shockingly describes even the city of God, Jerusalem, as a prostitute. And not only that, but a prostitute who has paid the lovers to come to her. Ezekiel 16 verse 33 and 34, men give gifts to all harlots, but you give your gifts to all your lovers to bribe them to come to you from every direction for your harlotries. Thus you are different from those women in your harlotries in that no one plays the harlot as you do because you give money and no money is giving you. Thus you are different. Jerusalem does not become a prostitute because she has to because it is the only way to survive. She becomes a harlot because she wants to. She pays others to come to her but what did it mean for Jerusalem to become a prostitute what did the Jews do to deserve this condemnation they followed other gods throughout Ezekiel 16 they're described making offerings of the things provided by God the Father by Yahweh to other gods they are described as building high places to worship other gods in the midst of the city in the midst of the city of God in other words, when God describes Jerusalem as a prostitute, it does not mean that they're condemned for sexual sin. They're being condemned for sinful ideas, intellectual, philosophical, theological sin that results in sinful actions. And what have they done? They have accepted the ideas and teachings of the surrounding culture. Those outside the covenant family is reflecting truth and being worthy of obedience. And again, they did this not because they had to, not because they were conquered, they did it because they wanted to. They paid the others for it, God says. So you see the seduction of the simple here in Proverbs is not to sexual sin or not just to sexual sin. I would say it's fact, probably not mainly to sexual sin. The seduction of the simple is to interesting, enjoyable, delightful things whether these things are ideas or experiences, things that at best can be distracting and at worst can oppose God in the way that he has commanded that his people should live. They are things that are experienced or said without much thought. Let me give you a couple of quick examples. Dr. Aswan, who I referenced early, gives the example of the ubiquitous cooking shows, especially the competitive ones where he says, we make a game out of a necessity of life. So we make a game out of a necessity of life and we do it over and over again. I mean, I don't know if y'all watch the cooking channel, but it's everywhere. They're always coming up with new ways to compete. But have you ever thought about how people in our community without enough food regard cooking, competitive cooking shows? Do we, do we ever ask ourselves, are cooking competitions mocking the poor? Now, you might be annoyed right now because maybe you enjoy cooking shows. So, sorry about that. Go ahead and enjoy it. But occasionally ponder a little bit more about it. We'll talk more about that shortly. From my own life, I just said I'm entering my last week of work. Many of my patients express sadness at the end of a relationship that could go back as far as 35 years. Uh, Even more of them, though, say, enjoy it. You deserve it. And I thank them for their kind words. It does feel good to hear that. But if I hear this often enough and I don't stop to think about it, and again, we'll talk more about stopping and thinking about it later, then one day I'm going to think it's true that I do deserve it. But I don't. It's a gift. Plenty of people have worked as hard as I have and did not make it to retirement. Was that because they didn't deserve it? Plenty of people have worked as hard as I have and have much less to show for it. Is that because they don't deserve as much? I don't pretend to understand God's providence, but I do recognize God's providence. And my retirement, whether it is for a day, a week, a year, or a generation, is a gift. See, the simple soul then is seduced by all this and takes it all in. Cooking, shows, retirement, good wishes, everything and never ponders the implication of what they see and do. They just go merrily along the path. Doing things without thinking, seeking things that give immediate gratification, consuming things to feel good and to be happy, trying hard to keep the vibe light and the mood good. That's the simple soul being seduced by the adulterous. Chapter 14 verse 15 adds to this, the naive believes everything. The simple person listens to everyone. Simple souls are agreeable. Frankly, they can be a lot of fun to be around. I mean, what the heck? They're open to everything, they get along with everyone. When conflicts happen, they just say, ah, eh, whatever. Move on. Don't want to deal with it. And then in Proverbs 22, verse, C, this, verse 3, the simple does not see evil for what it is, they do not see the danger. The naive go in, go on, and are punished. And what this means actually is suffer, not not so much God's punishment, but suffering that comes from going in to see the evil, when they don't see the evil. So the simple soul goes about their lives, moving from one enjoyable, fun thing to another, eventually leading to suffering for them or others. And we are told in earlier Proverbs 7, it leads to death. Now I want you to note a common theme here. It's not stated, but it's inherent in the actions of the simple. What do the simple do? They walk around at night, they listen to the flattery of the adulteress, they give in to any and all pleasures, they believe everything, they go in or toward evil unknowingly. Surely it is the case, as it was in the two examples I suggested, that the simple never stops to think about the implications of their actions and decisions never stops to think about how what they're reading, talking about, hearing, and experiencing could lead to death and destruction, either theirs or someone else's. And again, maybe not immediate physical death and destruction, but certainly spiritual and emotional death and destruction can follow. Now, I've given you a couple of examples, but let's pause for a moment and think, are there any biblical examples of someone who took the simple path? And there are several that we could think of. I'm going to mention two. Esau, you probably know the story of Esau. He came in from hunting and and he was famished. He couldn't wait to eat. He couldn't take time to prepare the food. He traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. Really Esau? Oh, come on, come on. I mean, you traded your entire future for a bowl of stew. You know, I've always thought of Esau as kind of a dummy. Who would want to be like Esau? I think I have more fortitude than to trade something so valuable for something so trivial. But then again, maybe I'm thinking like a simple soul if I think I would not do that because I've probably traded something valuable for something trivial in the past. And there's another biblical example of someone who took the simple path, and this one might surprise you, it's David. This is frightening. David, a man after God's own heart, can follow the simple path at times. And he did this with Bathsheba. He saw her. He delighted in her. He desired her and he took her. He wanted the immediate gratification. Don't you just want to pound your Bible and say, David, what were you thinking? But what a lesson for us. What a warning. If a man who follows God like David can end up being simple in their thoughts at times, then so can we. So let's ask ourselves, how is it that we follow the simple path in our lives? How does naivete show up in our lives? Well, for many of us, a large part of it can be summarized in two acronyms, YOLO and FOMO. And I bet you're surprised that I know those acronyms. All right, YOLO, you only leave, uh, leave, you only, well, you only leave once, but you only live once, okay? This is often used as an excuse for people to do things. Sometimes those things can be exotic and sometimes they're incredibly crazy. The idea of course is that you better do this or that now because tomorrow you might not be able to. And inherent in this idea is that if you miss your chance, your life will have been of less worth, it will have had less meaning. So you can kind of see that YOLO is a subset of FOMO, but I'll talk about that one in a minute i'm hearing a lot of yolo these days right i've been told i told you i'm retiring people say you deserve it they almost invariably ask what are you going to do and as many of you know nanette and i have traveled a lot in our lives so it's a little embarrassing to tell them we're going to be traveling more and again almost invariably they say that's great travel while you can and they'll make some comment akin to well you only live once Where's yellow appearing in your life? Can you recognize it? And yellow is a subset of FOMO. You only live once and you don't wanna miss out. Now, many of you are subjecting yourselves to FOMO. How can that show up? Well, ask a couple of questions. Uh, Ashley actually related to it in her introduction. We, she did not know I was gonna preach on this. She talked about you sometimes do things half-hearted because you're so busy, right? are you so busy with all types of things that you can barely breathe and think these may be all good things but there's so many of them that you can't keep up you're feeling overwhelmed and if you and if you give up one or more of these you think you're going to miss something important in your life or maybe in your children's lives if you're that busy you may be suffering a little bit from fomo fear of missing out and second, do you feel like you have to check your phone all the time? Now, I know you think it's coming. My usual comment about the harms of social media, and it is coming. Um, before we get there, let me tell you that I check my phone all the time, and I am barely on social media. I follow two camper, three camper groups on Facebook, and I have eight friends on Instagram, most of which are my children. <laughs> Yet I check my phone all the time. What do I check? Most commonly, it's the BBC News and ESPN. Why in the world do I have to repeatedly check the BBC News and ESPN so much? I mean, they haven't played another game since I checked it last time. Well, I wasn't so sure, but I gotta tell you, Dr. Eswan helped me here. He pointed out that some of us prefer information that we won't remember and which makes absolutely no difference in our lives to information and wisdom that comes from pondering and examining ourselves, others, and the world. I think that's a pretty good summary of what I do. I just wanna be distracted. Checking the BBC News and ESPN can be just as mindless as scrolling through Instagram and Facebook, TikTok and everything else. And many of you are scrolling through more than BBC News and ESPN. So why do I do what I do and why do you do what you do? We do it because we can do it without thinking, We do it because we get immediate gratification. We do it because we think it makes us feel good and happy. We do it to keep the vibe light and the mood good. Do those words sound familiar? They're the same words I used when I described the simple soul following the simple path. I do have to comment that there are a few dangers of social media that are beyond the mindlessness of reading the news and ESPN. I came across an author that I'd never come across recently a guy named Arthur Brooks. He's a professor at the Harvard Business School. Oddly enough, at the Harvard Business School, he teaches courses on happiness. (laughs) I didn't know they had that in Harvard Business School. He's written and lectured extensively on this and talks a lot about what gives people happiness and it's not social media. He actually called social media a laboratory for earthly goals that make you miserable. I thought that was pretty good. So maybe we shouldn't check our phones so often or at least ask ourselves, why am I reaching for my phone right now? It might be fine, it might be okay, but at least ask yourself. And so that brings me to ask, what do our passages today tell us about how to avoid the path of the simple? How do the wise avoid being simple? First, avoid things that take you down the path. The simple person puts themselves into those situations where harm can come their way. I told you about, uh, remind you of the story of David and Bathsheba, but the preamble to that story, 2 Samuel 11, 1, then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David stayed at Jerusalem. If David had been where he was supposed to be, The affair wouldn't have happened. In Proverbs 7, the simple person's out and about at night when he's lured in by the adulteress. He put himself in that position. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to go out at night. I'm not saying you should never look at social media. There are lots of good things on it. I'm not saying you should never do things that are enjoyable and pleasurable, and you can keep watching your cooking shows. But what situations are you putting yourself in, especially repeatedly, that make it more likely that you'll tread the simple path? Second, we need to pause and think. Proverbs 14, 15, the sensible man considers his steps. Thoughtfulness will often help you avoid the simple way. But inherent in that is you have to stop being so busy that you don't have time to think. And as I said, some of us are a bit so busy with YOLO and FOMO that we don't pause to think, to consider our steps, to consider where we have been and where we're going and why, and to consider the impact and implications of what we do. We just never stop. We're just on the go all the time. And third, we need to avoid evil. Proverbs 22, three, the prudent sees the evil and hides himself. I really doubt many of you want to purposely move toward evil There are are some people in our culture, in our world that way, but I don't think many of them are here with us today. The problem is that it's easy to move toward evil if you're not careful. And I want to call you back to what Andy talked about last week. He preached on wisdom with our words. Now, a lot of what Andy talked about is how we are to be wise with our use of words, uh, the words that leave our mouths or our pens or our keyboards. But did you hear him say that we need to that if we take in the wrong words over and over again as we mindlessly go about our lives, we'll, we'll ingest stuff that's meaningless at best and harmful at worst. And we'll, we'll fill our hearts and words with ideas and thoughts. And then then out of our, suddenly out of our mouth, out of our heart comes these words and thoughts and ideas that we don't know where they came from. We can be bombarded by so many words and messages in all of our modes of entertainment, books, TV, movies, social media, whatever it is. We can be bombarded by so many things that are contrary to the word of God that it becomes difficult to protect oneself from evil. And that is why it takes a prudent person to see the evil. And seeing the evil makes one prudent. So now that begs the question, How do we avoid the things that take us down the wrong path? How do we make ourselves pause and think? How do we avoid evil? And as it is so many times, I think the answer here is in the fundamentals of the Christian life. The things that the follower of Jesus needs to be doing regularly, these things will help you pause and think and think from God's point of view. These things will protect you from evil. Prayer, privately and community with others. Reading and studying God's word, preferably daily. Fellowship, regularly gathering with God's people to share life and struggles, to hear and to give good words. And this can be one-on-one or in groups or both. And worship, regularly participating in the liturgy of worship and hearing God's word preached, reminding us of the truth of God's word which gives life. This is the way of the wise. It leads to peace and to pleasures that make all those earthly pleasures and distractions pale in comparison. So we've thought about one of the three paths that are not the path of wisdom. We've seen that the path of the simple depends on one being non-discerning, non-thinking, leaning toward, if not devoted to things that bring enjoyment and distraction. It can involve putting yourself in unhelpful, possibly dangerous situations. It definitely involves staying so busy that you don't have time to discern and think, even if you want to. It seems fun, it's lighthearted, it's non-confrontational, it's enjoyable, it leads to death and destruction. But the path of the wise is tread by those who pause and think about what they do and its impact on others. They give themselves opportunity for discernment and they do that by praying, by studying the word of God, by fellowshipping with others, and by worshiping regularly. And that brings me back to the Shaker hymn. It's a gift to be simple. When I started preparing for this sermon, I pulled out several Bible dictionaries I have. Almost all of them define simple in the way that Proverbs does and that we've talked about today. But one of them defined the simple as sincere, open, honest, direct, and without hypocrisy. Yes, this dictionary noted simplicity can be an idea that's bad, mainly in the Proverbs. But it is also an idea associated with integrity, lack of evil, generosity, a life devoted to God, and simply believing the gospel truth. Which is what all I saw in Annette on the day that we got married. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul is concerned about the Corinthian church and he says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray. Boy, does that sound like the adulteress? Does that sound like the adulteress coming after the naive? I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So ironically, or remarkably, one of the ways to avoid being simple and naive is in living more simply. Not being so busy and distracted that we can't think and discern, not being bombarded by everything the culture wants to pour into our hearts and by which we can be led astray. In other words, we should seek to be living more simply to avoid being the simple. May it be so, Lord Jesus, amen.